When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. They're not teaching uh, Sunday school class in terms of morality. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. You know, it's a big game, obviously, but uh, we played a lot of big games, and uh, it is a game. It's, it's the same game we've been playing. Uh, last time I checked, um, you know, same field, same stadium, same amount of time. Um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a big game. We're putting a lot into this, but uh, we're putting a lot into every week. So it's, uh, it's going to be business as usual for us. Real quick before we dive into the tragic history of the Minnesota Vikings and why it should change here in the next month and why it's time for it to change. Did you say this last segment? I forgot. Uh, Jeff tweets in, dress Bradford, two-glove Teddy is the only Vikings quarterback with any playoff experience. That's right. Sam Bradford has never played in a playoff game. Yeah, but that's still... Uh, I, I, I'd still put Bradford still as the backup. That still to me is not... Of, I, I'm not going to say because uh, t- uh, Teddy played in 2015 that that would be my my motivation to dress him. But, yeah, Bradford, well, I mean, Bradford went from the Rams, who yeah. I think for most of his time there were horrendous. That's incredible. To a year, right, a, a year in Philadelphia where they didn't make it. Yeah, I mean, Bra- Sam Bradford has played on some god-awful football teams. You know, he's he's played, Louis, he's played in 80 games, and he's been a part of teams for, like, 100-plus games, if you account for him sitting out with injury. None of them playoff games. Mm-hmm. That's correct. I forgot about that, but... I'd still make them the backup if both are healthy. And you look in, they're both, there's flaws, there's rust. I'll take the guy who threw for 350 yards, at least in the last two calendar years, over the guy who's taken a few snaps and that's it. Bridgewater needs more time to knock the rust off before you can trust him in an actual game, especially playoffs. So, all right, we led the show with this, but new audience. And you know what? If you're still around and you're loyal, we appreciate it. And you could stand to hear this again because the Super Bowl is a month away, less than a month away. And the Vikings, I would say, are the best NFL regular season team, and you could even back this up statistically, to never have won it. The football gods have crapped on this team for 50-plus years, and we dug on this before the show. If you take the winning percentages of the top franchises across baseball, basketball, and football... Hockey's tough because it's a point percentage, and they they changed it over the years, whatever. The Vikings are maybe the most successful franchise regular season. You can make a case for, like, the Utah Jazz, but Major League Baseball's most successful franchise is regular season. Mm -hmm. Yankees, Dodgers, Giants, Cardinals, Red Sox. You look at those franchises, and you'd say, wow, that's like all of the World Series winners. A ton of championships, yes. The last hundred years. It's just, it's... It's the National League, you know, top franchises, the Yankees, 27 titles, and the Red Sox have gotten hot the last 15 years or so. 
in the NBA, the top winning percentages in the regular season, historically, franchises, Lakers, Spurs, and Celtics. And that's all kinds of bling, man. That's Lakers championships and Celtics make up half or more, I think, of the NBA championships ever. And the Spurs give you a handful in the last 20 years or so. In the NFL, the top winning percentages, and you can do the math on the titles here, Cowboys, Packers, Patriots, Dolphins, Bears, and that's nine league titles for the Bears going back historically, and Patriots championships and Cowboys, and the Vikings are the next team on that list. So, like, they... (laughs) Do that, am, I, am I saying that they belong right next to the Cowboys? No. But what you're saying but is in, it might, in the company of those teams might historically time regular season. to add one championship. Right. One title. Most playoff games ever played in NFL history. And do the ring math on this. Cowboys, Steelers, what's that? That's 10 championships. Yeah, right Something around, yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, Packers, ballpark. that's a bunch. Patriots, that's five. That's a lot, yes. Niners, that's five. Yep. Giants, that's a small handful, mm-hmm. like four, I want to say four championships, mm-hmm. and the Vikings. <laughs> it is remarkable. That is remarkable. It's time. It's yes. just, it's Enough is enough. It's just time. It, this season, it's time. You can either look at that uh, of what you just read off and say, here we go again, oh my God, or you could say what you just said, which is, okay, at some point in time, this has to end. And the thing about this is, especially in the championship games. The Vikings have certainly caused their own problems, but there also have just been, like, weird things, right? I mean, Anderson in 98 doesn't miss a field goal the whole season, Mm -hmm. and then that's his first miss. So you got to figure, at some point in time, they're going to play a game that's good enough, and things are going to go their way, too. And that's what I said. The thing I like about this team is they are built around defense, which I think is more reliable than offense. Like if Keenum came in and had just been great and the defense was okay but not great, and you said, okay, you know, Case has been fantastic and now he's going to lead us to this, I would say, hold on a second here. Now I'm really concerned. But you don't need that. You need him to be good and efficient. But ultimately, if you're going to win that game on Sunday and win a Super Bowl, what you're going to have is your defense is going to lead you. But, yeah, at some point, if you can just remove the fluky stuff, I think you're okay. Yeah, you know, another big difference this year's playoff run as it sets up compared to the ones we always talk about, 98, 09, et cetera, those two specifically. Mm-hmm. In those seasons, you had kind of a, what you thought and knew was going to be a layup game for playoff standards in your divisional round. You had a bye the first week, right? They had a bye in 09. Yes, till Dallas. They, yep, and then in Dallas, yep. uh, I, don't, I think the spread was close in that game, but there wasn't a whole lot of fear. No. It was young Tony Romo. Yep. Metrodome. That was an okay Dallas team. That was not a yeah, great yeah. Team. Like there was, it was kind of a primer game for whoever you were going to play in the NFC Championship game. Ninety-eight. Yes. They had the Cardinals, right? Yes, they did. The Cardinals, and they thumped them by three or four touchdowns. And the Cardinals were a team that had only made the playoffs like once in the last, you know, fifteen years at that point. Mm-hmm. In this case, you, you do get the first round by. It's great, but you don't get the layup in the divisional round. No, you get maybe your toughest opponent that you're going to face on the schedule even if you wind up playing the Steelers or the Patriots. So you're going to you're gonna have to earn it starting this weekend without some kind of a primer game that you're favored by a touchdown. In. Yeah, and as I, I said before, oh, you too. you are favored by five, I guess. I said before, too, I, I sense that this, this is the most apprehensive I've seen this fan base for a playoff game in my lifetime, I, I think, at least since I started to watch this team. I'm guessing, my only guess is this. 
The last Super Bowl, the week of that game might have been like this because that was the fourth one and Tarkington was getting older. And I could see those folks saying, okay, it's been three and now we got Oakland. But in 98, I don't recall this at at all because you were so damn good. In 2009, I don't remember the week going into the Dallas game as being concerned. And then you crushed them so bad that you thought, okay, it's the Saints, but we'll go down there and win. So this is the this is the most apprehensive, and I think that's based on, on this too, Phil. I think because so much of this fan base joined in 98 when Moss came aboard, that these people now are aging, and they're looking at it, and they're like, oh my God, it's been so many times. Are you saying that... that- that fans of the game in 98 are about to die and that's no what i'm saying that they now have perspective to know how bleeped up the history is well yeah I and mean, they didn't previously and they're at, at a point in their life i mean in 98 they were probably all drunk in 2009 they thought it's far i mean far, what was so in, interesting about the far dynamic to me was far uh, despite the fact that it didn't shock you that that he broke your heart he also was so confident that, that I think you rode that confidence. I'm not sure that that confidence now exists w- with the fan base, despite the fact that I would I would say that this team itself is very confident because they, they know that they're based on defense, and that defense is really damn good. Well, I, I would argue the 98 team lost the game because of overconfidence. You know, they lost the game because, uh, you know what, uh, you know, we'll just uh, we'll roll through these guys, anyways. And then, like in the moment where you needed to get your confidence back, at the end of regulation, and you've got time left, and it's the greatest offense in the history of the NFL, you didn't know what to do, so you took a knee, and you went to a coin flip. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like the, the, their overconfidence, and then getting punched in the mouth sort of shocked them to the point where they didn't know what to do anymore. This team, the way that it's built and its DNA, it's almost impossible for it to be overconfident. So you sh- and I'm not even just talking about the fans anymore. I'm talking about the actual team itself. There's zero chance this team with star players who went undrafted in Case Keenum and Adam Thielen, who had to scrape every inch of the way just to get to the point that they are now in the NFL. A team that nobody was picking at the beginning of the year with its third-string quarterback built on defense, not blowing out teams in a flashy manner, but meat and potatoesing their way through the 16-game schedule. Um, it's just it's so different than some of these other years, and even though there's some apprehension, maybe you know with the fans, this team feels very quietly confident, but humble enough to not, you know, get bit by shock right. in the fourth quarter of a game. Oh my God, we're not supposed to be losing this game. Um, they're going to have to grind every quarter. They might play if they win the Super Bowl. They might play three games that give you a heart attack. I don't think they're going to all of a sudden just like beat one of them forty-two to three. And, uh, and and go on and win a championship that way. I think the the thing in 98 that's the difference from this year, too, is going into the Falcons game, nobody, not me, not you, nobody allowed for the fact that Cunningham might struggle. Like, you never thought to yourself, I wonder if he's going to get up tight. I mean, Randall Cunningham, we've talked to folks who said he was in the second half of that game. If he didn't melt down, he was close to it. Like, with Keenum, you look at Keenum and you say, okay, let's see. With Cunningham, we had we thought to ourselves, well, he's just completely back. And so when he started to go south in that game and shrink, we're like, what? With Keenum going into this game, we're all very much, I think, on, on the side of, okay, he's been really good, but, but yeah. let's see. With Cunningham, you never left the door open that he could get to that game and start to melt. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I, 
Sunday can't get here fast enough. It's going to be a fantastic game. And, I can't wait for uh, it. That, I, think, I think I'm going to be rooting for... Just, I, I, I want excitement and I want fun matchups, and I'd love the voyage for vindication to continue, but I also think playing the Falcons at home is favorable to going on the road in any circumstance. Plus, if the Eagles win that game, you're going to feel differently about the Eagles than you do now coming off that Week 17 goose egg. Definitely. So you'll feel differently about the Vikings having to travel to uh, to Philadelphia. So it kind of sets up the best-case scenario for vindication and also just for them to have a better chance. Falcons in the NFC title to game. to root for Atlanta on Saturday, and then obviously Bring the them Vikings back. Have, to, yeah, have to do their thing on Sunday. Um, before we get to uh, a word from my uh, financial coach here in just a second, Dave Harrigan, what type of questions are you going to throw at us when we come back? Really good questions, rather football-related, including an angle about this game you guys were very worried about going back a month or more that hasn't been brought up at all this wow. week from what I remember. Okay, We're going to revisit that. Mackie and Judd now continue. Now back to more sports than you can handle. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We hear from a loyal listener, Matt. I'd argue the 09 divisional round game against the Cowboys wasn't a layup going in. They were only favored by two and a half points at home against a 29-year-old Tony Romo in his prime compared to this week where they are favored by five. No, I understand the spreads. I, I totally get that. So maybe I'm just wrong on my perception here. But going into that game, nobody thought the Vikings were going to lose to the Cowboys at home. Yeah. I mean, no, we're, we're nobody talking, thought that. We're talking about the nerves entering the game of the fan base. Correct. This one's very high. I don't recall that one being anything close to this. And those nerves and feelings don't always match up with what Vegas says. Of course. And, uh, you know, we could all, we probably could have probably could stand to learn where Vegas is saying, hey, it's you know, five points right now. Yeah, well, five points clear of the Saints. Home game. Don't be worried. Dave, what kind of questions you got for us? Again, really, really good questions. Good. Do you remember the talker you guys had before the Packers game week 16 when we learned that Aaron Rodgers would definitely not be playing? It was the, oh, no, this Vikings team won't have played a meaningful game in a really long time once they get to the playoffs. I remember that being discussed, but I haven't heard it all week. Think back. The last time they played what you would call a meaningful game was now over a month ago, Sunday, December 10th, against the Panthers. Since then, they've had a walkover of the Bengals, Packers, Bears, and then the week off. Level of angst now that you haven't even brought it up this week. I threw it out uh, quite a few times back then as a as a mild concern because you were going to go... You went Falcons, and you won, and that was a playoff-like game. Panthers was a playoff-like game, and then a month without one. My level of concern because of the preparation of this team and the fact that the defense is still very good is not huge. I did think it was going to be a factor, though, because you are going to go into a game on Sunday with an environment and a tempo that you haven't come close to equaling since December 10th. Am I really concerned about it? No. Do I think it's mildly interesting? Yes. I, I thought it was kind of a, I don't know, a like a straw man argument at the time, but there, there's no meaningful games. Well, that, okay, if you're telling me that they're going to treat the three games down the stretch as preseason games and shut it down at halftime or something, then I would have been more concerned. 
or if they were going to rest their starters for the the entire Week 17 game like the Rams did, and they're just not going to play football. They played a top 10 defense in the NFL in Week 17, and they didn't exactly, you know, they did what they had to do to win the game. They ran the ball 35 times, knowing that Mitch Trubisky wasn't going to score a touchdown, uh, or at you know at best he was going to score in garbage time. So I wasn't worried at the time. You're still playing NFL opponents. You're playing in really tough Green Bay conditions. No, that team wasn't a playoff team, and it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. But you throttled down as much as you could. You didn't rest your starters, and you're uh, and you're better off from having faced that Bears defense. Even though people mock the Bears and ridicule them, they had a defense that shut down a lot of really good offenses, including the New Orleans Saints and the Cam Newton-led Carolina Panthers. They also shut down the Steelers offensively, and you put up 20-plus points and uh, won that game decisively. So I thought the, the the final three games did a really good job of building confidence and also priming the Vikings for better opponents in the month of January. Dave? Mike Zimmer addressing the defense before the game, boys. Put yourselves in the head of Coach Zimmer right now, and you are telling your defense you're going to go out there, you're going to hit, you're going to cover, you're going to get after the quarterback, you're not going to break, you might bend a little bit, but you are not going to break. If you hold the New Orleans Saints to blank amount of points, I guarantee we win this game. Fill in the blank. What's the highest you can go? Comfortably, um, I my say. God, I think the Vikings score 20 plus points in this game. So I think the defense has a lot of leeway. I'll say hold them under 20 in the in the game is ours. Hold them under 20. Well, that's what happened. They held them to 19. They scored 29 points in week one. That's a, a long time ago. But I, I think whoever gets to 20 points is going to feel pretty good. And if you're the Saints, you're looking over there saying, all right. If we can score three touchdowns in this game or some combination of field goals that gets us into the 20s, we're going to have to take it. But if you had 19 points allowed behind door number one or a mysterious amount behind door number two, I would take the 19 points and and challenge the Vikings offense, go score a couple touchdowns, and go kick a couple field goals. Fill in the blank. Very simple to me. The number is 14. They can have two touchdowns. They can have two touchdowns. And I can get my offense to uh, to probably score around 20 points. I also challenge my defense in this game to do the one thing that they haven't done a lot of this year, turnovers, quick change, and potentially a touchdown from my defense. So I say 14 points, and, and I say, boys, there's nothing wrong with turning a, a pick, let's say, into a touchdown as well. I would like to see seven points from my defense on Sunday. That's tough, but I think it's doable. You know what? I don't know that this isn't necessarily part of Dave's question, but kind of by extension, you know, the Vikings have done a really good job of identifying specifically wide receivers and, and saying, all right, we're not going to let you beat us, Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones, right? Michael Thomas... I don't think he falls into that category. He, Although Pro Football Focus had him like the number two wide receiver in the NFL. He's close. Now. It helps to have Drew Brees throwing you passes. So I'm not going to put him quite on that Julio Jones level yet. But his first two years in the NFL, we're talking an average of 100 catches a year. We're talking 1,200 yards. He can score touchdowns. Would you go after Michael Thomas and say, we're going to shut you down just like we have, and then... So put roads on him? Like, put either put roads on sure, him or would. do whatever you have to do? Yeah. Or would you focus more on the running back tandem? I mean, I guess you could put roads on Thomas both. and say, you shut him down and we'll... I do both. Yeah. 
if Rhodes can shut him shut down Michael Thomas, it gives you more leeway to use other mm-hmm. players to shut down running backs, right? I would do both. Yeah. David. Final question. You're gonna stay inside the head of Mike Zimmer, but this is Mike Zimmer Saturday night as he's climbing into bed. Getting ready to get a good night's sleep before that uh, that big game Sunday. He might be, well, it might be something sticking in his mind that's going to keep him awake. A lot of worries could be going through his head. Maybe his own team, the kicker, the offensive line, his quarterback, or could it be the other team? Maybe Drew Brees is something to worry about. Sean Payton's play calling, those two running backs, uh, an improved defense. So let's do this. Now, humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on 1500 ESPN. Rank them top three things as specific as possible that might keep Mike Zimmer up Saturday night worried. Uh, number three for, for me, and th- these would all be either special teams or offense. I think his confidence in his defense is so high that he's not concerned about that at all. Uh, number three would be turnovers from the offense, period. It's got to concern you that Murray could drop a ball or there could be a pick. And and that's one, one thing that can certainly sabotage you quickly. So number three would be turning the ball over. Number two has to be kickers. Kickers, because you can't control them. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you practice all week. You come up with game plans, and and your career basically comes down to what? A guy booting a football. That's got to drive coaches, or it does, drive them crazy. And number one has got to be quarterback, because Keenum's played so well. But you can tell. Zimmer's had this stuck in his head the whole year of, can he keep doing it? I mean, when when he honestly says at the end of the year that he became convinced the case was, was the guy like a month before that, that speaks volumes about trust and, and the fact that Zimmer knows that Keenum was signed to be a backup quarterback. He was never signed to do this. So I would say uh, turning the ball over would be three, kickers would be two, and the lingering concern about quarterback would be one. You and I are pretty – we have two of the same items on our list. I'll start with number three, Kai Forbath. I mean, it's it could be almost any kicker, mm-hmm. right? I, it, except take Adam Vinatieri and, and – well, Matt Bryant I think I would trust, or or Prater. There's a couple guys I would just say, all right, I'll go to war Justin with you. Justin Tucker of Baltimore. You sure. Trust. Yeah. Um, and Kai Forbath is, is not one of those. He's not a, a proven clutch or even a proven consistent regular season kicker. He was jobless a year and a half ago. So he has to be on that list. If he comes into the game and you're down by two points and you have time for one thing and it's a kick from 42 yards, what percentage sure are you that he's going to make it? And the answer is not close to 100. Uh, and Mike Zimmer would probably feel the same way if you hooked him up to a lie detector. Number two thing that he's probably most worried about going to bed at night, you nailed it. It's the quarterback. When he puts his head on the pillow... He knows that he didn't publicly endorse Case Keenum as a trustworthy starting quarterback until, was it November or December? It was basically the Falcons, the Lions-Falcons right around there. Yeah, it was several weeks into Case Keenum's tenure, constantly talking about Teddy Bridgewater looking good in practice. So Zimmer is still a little bit nervous that Case Keenum's going to do what he did in Washington and throw a couple bad interceptions and open the door for, uh, for Drew Brees and company. But the number one thing, I don't know if he's going to be worried about this, but it's the number one thing that I would be worried about. And it's not anything like, it's not Drew Brees. I'm with you. I think Mike Zimmer is a supremely confident defensive schemer. He goes to bed knowing we just spent two weeks putting together the best possible game plan to stop Drew Brees, 
to hold that team to like 17 points or 19 points. He feels good about that. But for 50 plus years, the football gods have absolutely <laughs> urinated all over the Vikings. Hmm. In fact, the Star Tribune has a note. They went they went deep dive into analytics and they found that the Vikings have lost 48% of the playoff games they're favored to win historically. That's a huge number. All right, here's all the games you're favored to win, and they lose half of them. That doesn't count the losses where they were like a touchdown underdog at Green Bay. Here's the games where you were the better team, Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason, kicker, dumb turnovers, uh, whatever whatever the reason, the Vikings have lost half of those. Mm -hmm. There's just certain things that have happened throughout the years, going back to the Purple People Leader Bud Grant era, to Denny Green, to Brad Childress and Brett Favre, there's just certain things that happen that you throw like you throw your hands up in the air. Twelve men in the huddle yep. out of a like what? It doesn't make any sense. So the things that he can't control would probably keep him up at night more than the things that he can, which are scheming for Drew Brees. I I don't think he's gonna lose sleep though. I think Mike Zimmer has prepped very well. And... I think the Keenum factor probably probably weighs on, on his mind. He's a smart enough guy to think what we're all thinking, which is Oh my God, this could end quickly. Yeah, but he's, he's smart enough to think. Mike, that. But here's the thing, Mike Zimmer. There's no coach in the NFL on an opposing sideline, or no no factor that's gonna I think throw him off his game. You're gonna go in. You've prepped it. You've prepped Case Keenum. He's not gonna be nervous on the sidelines on Sunday. I would. One thing that I would maybe add to this list, not that he would be nervous about, but that I'm nervous about. Mm-hmm. He's had some clock management and timeout management snafus during the season. Where not as bad this year, right? Not as bad. Yeah, but last year, but was there's really been like evident. two or three things where, yeah. oh man, you just it's it's third down and three, yeah, and it's it's early in the third quarter, and the and the play clock's winding down, and, and you're in your own territory, and the Vikings burn a dumb you know time out. That's a very good point, Mike. Do not get upset and throw the, the challenge flag just in in like a second of being mad. Like there have been times that this year where you could tell he's mad, and he just takes it out and throws it. Mike Tyson. Make style. sure make yeah. sure somebody up in the booth says challenge that before you potentially waste that time yeah. out. So there's like clock management things that I don't know that I would just be a little leery of, but all right, put the chips on the table and we'll see what happens. All right, let's do it. Let's do a little game show action. We've got Viking Saints related items to give away next, and we need two callers. Let's go callers four and five to six five one six four six eight two five five. 877-615-1500. Game Show Friday, Mackie and Judd from Target Center. But first, a word from Luther Brookdale Toyota, proud sponsors of the Mackie and Judd Show and the Touch em All Twins podcast as well. Luther Brookdale Toyota has just announced some great new deals. 0% financing on 2018 RAV4s, plus $500 in bonus cash, or you can lease for just $199 per month. That's an outstanding deal. You can also pick a lease on a 2018 Highlander XLE for just $299 a month. Looking for a pickup? How about a Tacoma, a 2017 Tacoma or Tundra for 0.9% 60 months? Luther Brookdale Toyota also has uh, a lot of trade-ins flowing in the last month or so, so there's a huge selection of pre-owned vehicles as well. Stop in on your way home. It's Toyotathon. Uh, it's uh, just finished up, and these are the best deals you're going to find at Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com.
Phil Mackey. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? I'm Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Game Show Friday. It is Game Show Friday with Mackey and Judd. Here are your hosts live from Target Center. Phil Mackey and Judd Zogan. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. What an enthusiastic crowd here well, at Target Center. Huge we have. crowd in the Skyway. Get okay. away, people. Get um, away. Quit pressing against the, the glass. Actually, we just can't a, have that. some random passerbys. Uh, we've seen some star-studded uh, hallways here. We saw, well, along with different Timberwolves assistant coaches like Ryan Saunders walking by and Jamal Crawford was here. Frank Isola. Kenny Albert. Kenny Albert walked by. Uh-huh. All the twins, love the show. The Twins PR department walked by. Going to get lunch. That's they just right. happened to walk by. You know. A lot of stars in the hallway here. Uh, Game Show Friday this week is sponsored by the number one REMAX results team, Chris Lindahl. Those guys helped sell my condo a year ago for top, top dollar. Highly recommended. And uh, because Chris Lindahl is on board for today's episode of Game Show Friday. We have two Super Bowl experience tickets for Sunday, January 28th at the Convention Center, and that is the Super Bowl experience driven by Genesis. So this, these are going to be hot tickets, all kinds of fun nice. activities, cool. and uh, we're giving those away to the winner of Game Show Friday. Both contestants, John and Don, are going to win something. We also have a flight tour card, The Foreigner on Blu-ray starring Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan, and an Overdrive on Blu-ray starring Scott Eastwood. So, all right, Dave Harrigan, what game will John and Don be playing today? Well, this is interesting. It's sponsored, of course, as you said, by the Chris Lindahl team at REMAX, and we'll hear more from them after Game Show Friday, Phil, if you catch my drift. I do catch your drift, Dave. John and Don get ready for a very special and somewhat heartbreaking Vikings <laughs> Saints edition of Closest to the Pin. All right. Closest to the Pin. So we'll get John and Don on the line here. John, are you with us? I am. Don, hello? Yes, Don. Yes, right here. So here's how this works. We have several questions all have a number for an answer, a number of some kind for an answer. So your goal is to have as close to zero as you possibly can by the end of the question. So if I ask you... Uh, how old is Judd? And one of you says, ah, like 48, and the other says 100. Well, one of you would then be 50 away from the pin or so because Judd is not 100 years old. Does close. that make sense? I feel close some days. Got it. All right. Let's start with this one. All of these are Vikings, Saints, NFC Championship game related from eight years ago. How many turnovers did the Vikings have in that game? We'll start with John. Uh, two. Don? Four. Boy. Yeah, they actually had five. Oof. And and still Percy uh, Harvin's only fumble of the entire season included. Yeah. Bernard Berrien dropping the ball on the way to the end zone. Should we go through them all? Well, Peterson I, had two charged fumbles, but a third one that was a kind of a miscommunication between him and Favre on a handoff that yeah, I blame yeah, Peterson we'll get for. To that. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, question two. We'll start with Don this time. Out of their twelve opportunities, how many third downs did the Saints convert on that godforsaken day? Don. Three. Okay. John. Eight. 
Wow. Ooh, we got a winner on that one. Oh, Don. Yes! Three is exactly right. Three for 12 on third downs. When you just look at the box score of that oh, game. Don't, don't bring this up. How this is so painful. did the Vikings lose that game? All right. All right, we'll get, some, we'll get a score update here shortly. How many times was Brett Favre sacked in the 2009 NFC Championship game? Don? Two. John? Five. His ankles looked like he was sacked five times because he was all black and blue and couldn't walk. Officially zero sacks for the Saints, but yeah. they hit him after he threw about 100 times. They did. And uh, he had the, some of the photos came out of his body and his ankles and stuff after it was over, and people were questioning, how did he even continue was on I, with the game? Was I hurt? Maybe. Maybe. Did I have a bone sticking out of my leg? Oh. All right, uh, John, we'll start with you on this one. The Saints had 15 first downs in the game. How many did the Vikings have? The Saints had 15 first downs in that game. How many did the Vikings have? 17. Okay. Don? 21. Is this a typo? That's amazing. 31? 31 first downs. This is the whole thing. The blind test of this box score is, is off the charts. They had 31 first if downs in that game. don't look at, at a couple stats... You would have thought they won by 21. That's nuts. That's like a first down. Yeah. That's a first down every two minutes of game time. I know. And that, I, I, I would, okay, all right. I'm not going to pick at old scabs. All right, <laughs> let's get a score update here. John and Don head-to-head in closest to the pin, Dave. Don in the lead. He is just 12 away from the pin, but it is still anybody's game, as we know. John is 27 away from the pin. Okay, so Don with a nice little lead, but anything can happen in closest to the pin. Let's go to this one. Garrett Hartley was the kicker for the Saints in that game. How long was Garrett Hartley's game-winning overtime field goal? How many yards? John? 46 yards. Don? What did he say? I'm sorry. He said 46 yards. 44. All right, Don, inching closer. Uh, Both are incorrect. 40 yards, but Don picks up a couple... A couple uh, yards or a couple points on that one. All right, gents, next question. With a minute remaining in the first half, Brett Favre was charged with a fumble because Adrian Peterson could not control a handoff in Saints territory. What yard line did that play start from? So when there was the muffed exchange between those two, what yard line did that play start from? Should we start with John this time? Doesn't, yeah, it doesn't matter. John, go ahead. That's fine. Uh, The eight. Okay. Uh, John said what? Eight? He said the yeah. eight. Don? Five. The five. Pretty close. That's the four-yard line. As I as I recall, was that not a muffed punt by Reggie Bush that gave them gave the Vikings the ball at that may have been approximately the, the four or the three, I think? Yeah. All right. So what was the, the game? What was the score there? Because they had a chance to take a commanding lead, they I did. believe. It was they? tied, actually, at that point. It was 14-all, oh, but wow, ready wow. to go up a touchdown right into halftime. Wow. All right, let's get a score update going into the final question here, Dave. Final question still sees Don in the lead. Don with a D. He is at uh, 17 away from the pin. John with the J, 37 away from the pin. All right, so we'll start with Don on this one. This is the final write that down or uh, closest to the pin question. (laughs) Getting my segments mixed up. What was the reported attendance of the 2009 NFC Championship game? What was the reported attendance of the 2009 NFC Championship game? Don? Uh, 65,420. Okay, John? Uh, 
67,800. Ooh, you guys are you guys are within striking distance. Actual retail price 71,276. So John comes from behind to win this edition of Game Show Friday. Congratulations, John. Good job, guys. You're both going to win something, so stay on the line, stay on hold. Uh, again, we're giving away, and I mean, my guess is we're going to have some other cool stuff to give away uh, future Game Show Fridays, but uh, two Super Bowl Experience tickets, the Super Bowl Experience driven by Genesis for Sunday, January 28th at the Convention Center, thanks to Chris Lindahl and company. Oh. Yeah, that game, man, that box score is painful. That box score is just can flat. You, if you're a Viking fan, it's just flat out painful. Do you have it in front of you right now? I can uh, get it in one second. Let's if you just want. for fun. Let's <laughs> let's is, bring it up. Let's let's exercise some final demons. Just for fun might not be the right word, but I will get it. Just for masochism. Yes, that's exactly what uh, this bring, is. Bring, 2009. Well, bring it up for the next segment here. We'll uh, do it for the next. Right. You got time. All right, we got it. Um, and then there's a, a couple twins nuggets to get to here before the end of the show as well. We're hanging out at. At Target Center, but before we go anywhere, uh, the Chris Lindahl team helped me sell my condo, like I told you guys earlier in the segment, for a lot more money than I thought. Uh, I, I trust the work that they do. Uh, they have proven results. In fact, the Chris Lindahl team sells a home every nine hours for over the MLS average. And one of the big myths you're going to come across this time of year is that hey, you should, spring is the time to sell your home. You got to. You know, wait to time that market until spring because that's when you make big money on your home. Well, Chris Lindahl is here to tell you now is actually the right time to sell your home. High demand right now and less competition. Get in before everybody else has their house on the market. You just need the right team, that number one REMAX results team, Chris Lindahl. And here's another uh, pot sweetener for you. The first two people to call this number are going to get a free staging package. That's huge value, getting your house ready to show, ready to sell. The number is 763-401-SOLD. That's 763-401-SOLD. The first two callers uh, will win a free staging package thanks to Chris Lindahl, Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show rolls on. Finally. Finally. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's let's rip a bandit off here. Our final segment from Target Center. I got it. Uh, just for fun, the... The, the danger of what can happen if you don't protect the football. Yes. The 2009 NFC Championship game box score. Yes. I feel like this is the this is like the end of the Indiana Jones movie, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they they put the box score away for years, and then when they pry it open with a crowbar, I just dug it out. People's for you. faces melt off when they look at it. First of all, the most remarkable thing is the Vikings turned over the football five times on two picks and uh, three lost fumbles. They fumbled the ball six times. That's Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson was not charged with a lost fumble. He fumbled the ball twice and recovered it. And he and the Vikings recovered it. And on the far play, that's charged to the quarterback because the ball got lost. Although I will always blame Peterson for it, the ball got lost in the handoff. But so they could have had like seven turnovers. Bernard Berrien fumbled on his way, I think, into the end zone and lost it. Percy, Har- Percy, who I don't think he had fumbled all season long, fumbled and lost it. Favre was charged with the one with Peterson. Darius Renaud, if you oh recall him, God. had a fumble that he recovered. They had wow. six fumbles in that game. 
Uh-huh. And and how many interceptions? The two one. by far. Two. So so eight potential turnovers. Yes. And it wound up being five actual turnovers. Yes. And they had and they outgained the Saints by two hundred plus yards. They had thirty one oh. first downs offensively. I've got it right game. here for you. Yeah, go let's total, let's keep going. Total net yards. Let's exercise these demons right. before Sunday. Total net yards for the Vikings that day, four seventy five. Total net yards for Drew Brees and the Saints, two fifty seven. <laughs> Yeah. Rushing this is therapeutic. Let's keep rushing doing yards. 165 for the Vikings, 68 for the Saints. It's okay. Because that run defense was really good. <laughs> Net yards passing. 310 for the Vikings. 189 for the Saints. This is the unbelievable thing. When you run through this thing, let's see on uh Third down efficiency, Minnesota, 7 of 12, yeah, 58%. As Dave had in the game show, they the Saints the game. were 3 of 12. Yeah, they owned it. Exercise the, your demons. The Saints took four more penalties in that game. Everything about this, total first downs, 31 to 15. They had 17 first downs passing. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? Bring it on. I mean, I'm going to go through all of the Vikings Super Bowl box scores. I'm going to go through the Falcons box score from 98 this week, and I'm going to ex- I'm going to light candles and exercise the demons. Goal to go efficiency. The Vikings three of four. Now the Saints were three of three. Final one for you. Time of possession that day. The Saints 27:56. The Vikings 36 minutes 49 seconds. Yeah. Boy. yeah, that's okay. That was therapeutic. Do you feel better now? That was good. We got it out. Uh, I'm going to throw this at you, a little bit of breaking Vikings news, that uh, Terrence Newman is officially listed as questionable. He popped up on the injury report this week with a foot. Limited participation on Wednesday. Did not participate yesterday. Back to limited for today. So what's your what's your panic level that Terrence Newman is questionable? I think he'll, my guess is he'll suit up. I think he'll play. Uh, my panic would be on a scale of 1 to 10. It would be about a 4. Alexander can, I mean, he's not had a bad year, and he's actually uh, played better than I thought he would. But if you take Newman out of the equation or slow him down a lot, and uh, McKenzie has to play a lot, guess what? He's going to get thrown at a lot. So I wouldn't dismiss it, but I I think Terrence will play. Um, But if if he plays now, they're going to throw at him for sure. Breeze will. So I'd say about a four. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hyperventilate about it, but I'm certainly not going to dismiss it and say it's no big deal. Yeah, you know, Mackenzie Alexander has actually been. He he went from being a complete non-factor two years ago to actually being where you could you see him flashing and making tackles yeah. and doing some things in games. So uh, they they definitely don't have a spot where Drew Brees is just gonna pick someone apart. And um, you know, I don't think he's gonna go in and say, "All right, Trey Wayne's gonna pick you apart and have it work." Mm-hmm. I just don't think so. My guess is. Xavier Ode shadows Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. and it's going to be up to the group of Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, and Harrison Smith to play blanket defense on those running backs out of the backfield and make sure that those guys don't go for nine catches and 140 yards and two touchdowns. My goal, 14 points against. Give up two touchdowns, uh, I think you're fine. You give up you give up mm, 20 or more points, I start to get skittish. Yeah. Uh, what else are you are you looking forward to on this football weekend? Because I think I'm going to sit down and mostly just consume all 12 plus hours of these divisional round games. It's it's uh, I, I like the championship weekend because it's you know trips to the Super Bowl, 
But you've kind of weeded out. You've trimmed the fat. Yeah, the Titans are yeah. still there, but you've trimmed the fat. Now it's legit teams going toe-to-toe this weekend. Philadelphia, Atlanta intrigues me a lot because I do think that we have been uh, so quick to write Philly off. And I like the Falcons, uh, but I think it I think it gets, as, as you, you and Dave said in the picks, I think it gets a little bit dangerous when you start to basically say, oh, they're dead for sure. I mean, they're at home still. They're a pretty good team. Now, now backing Nick Foles scares me. But that being said, the Carson Wentz loss, while huge, Philadelphia can still win games. Yeah. And and I'm very curious to see what, what happens there because if they do win, uh, despite the fact that I think the Vikings can go on, on the road and win, I think, it gets, I think it gets tougher. I think if you put the Vikings on the road in Philadelphia, n- now you've opened yourself up to weather, a potentially bad field, a kicking game. There's just, to me... There's a lot more variables that can go wrong in Philly. If you play the Falcons here, I get the fact that it won't be a simple game, but you're in a controlled environment. If you go there, there's a lot of factors that I think you lose control of. Yep, I would I would agree with that. Uh, keep it at home, and like it's like the the towel say is it bring it home is the hashtag that the Vikings are going with, and that's probably their best path. Uh, in the last couple minutes here, I want to bring you to uh, another accountability session to wrap up the show. Not for us. We already did ours at 10 o'clock. Yes, we did. But I want to take the audience behind the curtain of this job where we are on the air for four hours a day. We make predictions. We have opinions on things. We put ourselves out there. When we're wrong about stuff, is it pretty fair to say that we hear about it? Or if people think we're wrong, like you write articles on the website, comment sections, email, social media. I get called out. We hear from you guys when we're wrong Mm -hmm. or when people disagree we get hammered in general and that's part of the game like we accept it it's fun uh we sign up for it every day but it's funny when we're right about something we almost never hear the oh you know what you said this six months ago (laughs) and i was wrong i chirped at you and had 10 tweets and you blocked me and uh and you wound up being right in that argument here's my question the saints and the vikings this weekend Mm -hmm. this is the adrian peterson bowl Mm mm-hmm these are the two teams that cut Adrian Peterson loose in 2017. Mm-hmm. Where have all the Peterson backers gone in the last 12 to 18 months? All the people that either called in or tweeted at us or emailed us, you guys are morons. You're disrespecting a great player. Yep. The Vikings should never get rid of him. Yep. He's a warrior. He's purple Jesus. You hate him. We got destroyed. Yeah, you hate Adrian Peterson. Yep. I posed a question. I went back and just searched this this morning for fun. On August 28th of 2016, I tweeted, if you could only choose one running back for the next two seasons, would you choose Peterson or Jarek McKinnon? So this is before the 2016 season. Mm -hmm. I said McKinnon in the tweet and got absolutely destroyed. I'm going to read you some of those tweets right now. This is a listener accountability session. Jimmy said, I get that's a cool thing to say, but this is probably your worst take ever. You're not impressing anyone, Mackie. Take that. How about this one from Wade? Peterson's a future Hall of Famer. You need to sober up. This is from Nick. Well, you're a bleeping idiot. Insert F word here. Little Trump tweets back. I second <laughs> that. What a troll that Mackie is. Ross Tucker. This is this is from uh, March of 2017. He says... The Vikings and Adrian Peterson breakup feels like a situation where both sides were too stubborn to realize they needed each other and were better off together. You still think that? 
Uh, this is the Peterson hey, Bowl on Sunday. Hall Both teams fame, are better without it. Hall of Fame player who simply by this point could not block or catch passes. Guess what? You don't fit in this offense, right. and you didn't with the Saints either. So we never do it, but we get to say, we told you so. Yeah. We told you so. Two years of trying to say that. All right. Ventline is back on Sunday right after the game. Win or lose, join us. Superstar Mike Morris. All right. That's it from Target. Enjoy Show. the game.